Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for conversations with the winners and finalists of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as conversations with book lovers from across the province and territory. On this episode, I spoke to two creators who came together to work on the book, Grandmother School. Hi, I'm Rena Singh, a children's author, and I live in Toronto. I'm also a poetry slam coach, and I teach teenagers spoken word. I live in a blue house. I have a fish pond with fish in it, and I'm surrounded by little animals like rabbits, birds, and I like to write here. I'm Ellen Rooney. I'm an illustrator for picture books. I feel like I should illustrate a picture book with Rena as the main character. I love the description that she just gave of her little house and being surrounded by the animals in the fish pond. I live in Penticton, BC. I illustrate kids' books and uh, love to draw, love to take walks outside, be inspired by the world around me and by the stories that I got to illustrate. Before we started talking about grandmother school, I asked Rena and Ellen the question that has stumped a few guests this season. If you could be a character from any novel or children's book, who would you be and why? Here are their answers. Uh, I mean, there is this book that I've read several times and I have a copy of it too. It's called The Dreamer by Pam, you know, Ryan and Peter Sis. And it is a YA novel. Uh, and I would like to be the main character in it, Pablo. Uh, It's based on Pablo Neruda's life. He's a dreamer, he's a poet. I was so excited when I discovered this book because I think Pablo Neruda has been a part of my life for the longest time. And uh, I think that's the character I would like to be. I'm gonna go with uh, Frederick from Leo Leone's book about the mouse that spends all his days just soaking up the sunshine and the beauty during the summer while all the other mice are busy working. <laughs> and then in the in the winter, when they run out of food and they're running out of their their stores of things that they've they've stored away, he sort of provides them with images or colors and sunshine and and sort of it's he's like the artist, right? That that uh, provides that other side of life to sustain them and. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think I'm, I have the personality of Frederick at all, but but I just uh, I always loved uh, that character. It just was very kind of a deep kids book. I don't know, but it always left an impression on me. Grandmother School is the winner of the Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize, and here's my conversation with Rena and Ellen. So my quest- first question is for Rena. How did you hear about the true story that inspired the book? You know, it was in 2016, a few months after the school had started, that I read a little news clip about a teacher in a remote village in Maharashtra who had started a school for grandmothers. And the opening of the school marked the International Women's Day. So my first response was, oh, how sweet. The idea seemed whimsical to me. Then I saw an image of these older women going to school. It was the shock of seeing the bright pink saris that drew me into the story. 
So traditionally, older women wore neutral colors and widows wore white. I know it's a cruel custom, but that's how it was. So the pink saris looked revolutionary to me. The teacher had insisted that these students wear bright colors in order to bring some cheer into their lives. I think he was already my hero by then. So I think that's how my search for this story began. Mm, thank you. And what was it about the story, Rena, that made you want to write a, a version of it for young writer, or young readers? So I read a little more, and some of the grandmothers were interviewed by reporters. And, you know, the overwhelming feeling they had was of shame because they couldn't even spell or sign their name. Uh, in India, there's a derogatory term for people who give thumbprints instead of signatures. And it's like an ultimate insult. So then one of the grandmothers said, I was illiterate all my life. I don't want to die illiterate. I think that moment I knew I had to write the story for young readers. And I also had another moment. I remembered that my own grandmother never went to school. I was close to her and I listened to her stories, all the stories she told me. I regret that I didn't have the awareness at that time to teach her something like a few words of English maybe. Uh, it was then I began to imagine a story about a little girl who walks her grandmother to school. And I think it started off as a sad story because imagine all the years they felt the shame and could do nothing about it. I think my own story made me cry. But then as the story progressed, I began to feel the joy of the grandmothers and what they were accomplishing. And then I think Ellen added a whole new layer of joy to the story. Hmm. I, it's interesting you talking about those pink saris because uh, they are all over that book. And so this feels like a good opportunity to chat with Ellen a bit about what drew you, Ellen, to this project. Well, uh, most of my projects start with a very fortuitous email from a publisher that sends me a manuscript. And if I'm really lucky, like with this one, it's a story that I really fall in love with. And I think when I read Rena's manuscript, I just, I, you know, it's interesting to hear her talk about how initially her story was, was kind of a bit sad in its inception. And then by the time that I saw the manuscript, it just had so much emotional heart to it. I just saw this love between the, the narrator and her grandmother. And um, I just really felt it had so much potential to connect emotionally uh, with readers, you know, just to portray that relationship. But for me, that was like the core thing that um, I loved about it. And then just the way she writes is just, I think is just brilliant. You know, I, it was just such a beautifully told story. Yeah. What inspired your approach to the illustrations for the book? Uh, well, definitely the pink saris were always uh, going to be a very influential thing. When I started looking at reference images of the actual school, I tried to keep a lot of, you know, to take a lot of inspiration from the, the you know, it, since it is a real school, from observing what I could observe through through finding images online. And there were some video, um, little video interviews and stories about the school. So I took all that and I 
took the characters that I knew I wanted to be the really at the heart of the story and worked with different materials. I do a lot of using of different materials from one book to another and trying to find like, you know, what's going to tell the story and fit, fit the feeling of it. And also what, how I can portray the characters, like with the grandmother and the, and the little granddaughter, I, I know I had to be able to show all their emotions and show their ages well, but have them have just, you know, a feeling I was kind of going for that joyful and loving feeling and uh, kind of a, the, the joy that Rena was talking about of the grandmother's learning um, so that it didn't come across as like a sad story. So anyway, those are, that's kind of how I got started, but also, you know, there's a lot of a pattern in the book, which I think was something that Rachel Page, the designer at Orca, and I talked about pretty early on. And uh, that's obviously, or maybe not, but it's, it's, it's inspired a lot by the textiles of, of India and, um, you know, the beautiful patterns, even on, on uh, other decorative uh, household tiles or things like that, um, but definitely a lot of textiles. And um, the, those were some of the things that, you know, formed the kind of the core palette that I was going to use, you know, um, of textures and design elements and colors. Yeah, it, it, the the illustrations really took on this. It looked like tapestries at some point. It was really quite beautiful. Oh, thank you. Uh, one of the themes of the book that I kind of picked up on was was how education and literacy gives women and girls a sense of pride and help build their sense of self. And I was wondering um, how working on this book impacted how the both of you thought about your own relationship to reading and stories and how that shapes how you feel about your place in the world. And uh, Rena, maybe if you want to start with this question. I think that is one beautiful thing about education is that it empowers you. You know, so yes, the story is about women and so girls, I think in many, many parts of the world, they face barriers to their education, whether it's due to political upheaval or distorted cultural norms or violence or poverty. So after getting an education, I think uh, they can protect themselves from the violation of their own human rights because they learn about it. And I think uh, it's not a cliche, but I think it's really true that it's one of the most effective ways to achieve positive and sustainable change in families, communities, and the world. And I think they can, edu with the help of education, they can break the chains of poverty. Uh, for me, I came from a small town in India. I got the best education my parents saw to that, and I was lucky. So geographically, I wasn't limited to living a life in a small town forever. So I was a teacher in India and I've been an educator in Canada for as long as I can remember. And I always told my students that education is the ticket out into the world. And I do reflect sometimes, like if I hadn't been so lucky as to get an education, where would I be? And I always tell and thank my parents that education was the most precious gift they could have given me. It helped me move across the world. 
and do whatever I wanted. I wanted to study, I wanted to teach, and I wanted to write. So I was able to do all those things. It truly was my ticket to the world. So that's what I think. I think sometimes we don't, we think our parents are being silly or whatever when they're telling us how important school is, but when we're adults, we really see it. Ellen, did you want to take a stab at this question? Well, I think part of what you were asking about that I was just thinking about is the sort of the role of stories and reading and um, how those things can shape you. And it's certainly something that I experienced, I think. I mean, one of the reasons I really love working on picture books and I feel really, really lucky that I get to do this is that when I was a kid, I, I think this really picture books really influenced me a lot. And it could be from just seeing yourself in some kind of character, whether it's just a, I don't know, it could be, a, you know, it could be a princess or it could be a mouse, you know, it could be anything because in the, in the picture book world, we tell all kinds of stories and have all kinds of characters. And you might just see some small facet of yourself there that just makes you feel like you're the kind of person that someone could tell a story about that the way you look at things isn't you're not the only person who who looks at things that way or feels that way so uh, I just think it's a really special medium so uh, my next question is kind of around that saying that I'm I'm sure we've all heard uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks and I think that's there's a lot of misconception around that and and that at a certain age we learn some of our ability to learn and be creative uh, which of course is been debunked there are creative people at all ages and various disciplines and i'm wondering how the two of you think stories like grandmother school shapes our understanding of people's abilities and capabilities throughout our life and ellen maybe if you want to start this time sure well, I think one of the things that I liked about, and I hope I'm not uh, uh, stealing something that Rena is going to talk about, but one of the things I liked about her book was the way she sort of flipped the, flipped a, like did a role reversal where the narrator was the, the little girl and she's talking about the grandmother, you know, the, what the grandmother's learning at school. And, and it's, it's like a, the pride of a parent for their child. I think it just helps to, sort of help like like we get to see the grandmother through her eyes and she doesn't see the limits um she doesn't see her as someone who can't change and can't learn even though in Rena's text she does you know we get to glimpse how other people might see her that way other people might have underestimated her but when we see her through the the daughter's eyes we just see how you know she thinks she's the greatest thing in the world and and doesn't see her as being limited in that way. So I I think just that little narrative device and um, way of telling the story was something that really struck me as as helping to shape that that way of thinking about people. Like we're just seeing them as whole people and not like just as, you know, the old lady as a character or something like that. Yeah. Rena, did you want to answer this question? I think I'll start with, I'll read a few lines from the book. 
So the grandmother is Aji. The, the granddaughter calls her Aji. That's the Maharashtrian uh, word for addressing a grandmother. So Aji started school a year ago. My teacher said almost everyone in the village could read, write, and count, except for all the grandmothers. So he built Aji Baichishala Grandmother School. Ajoba, my grandfather, shook his head and said that learning at this age was a waste of time. But most of the people in the village were happy for the grandmothers. When Aji first learned to spell her name, she did a little dance. Then she went to the bank. The rude man behind the counter had always dismissed her saying, people who give thumbprints instead of signatures have to wait. He made her feel small. Now I'll show him. I can sign my name, she said. So I did not consciously start out with this message that it's never too late to learn. And, but, you know, maybe I arrived at that. So for me, the line, when Aji first learned to spell her name, she did a little dance. To me, that's the crux of the story. So we not only can learn, but we should learn. There is so much joy in learning. And um, it makes you feel alive. So I hope stories like Grandmother's School will inspire people of all ages to learn new tricks every single day. My next question, I guess, is tied a little bit to this one that you both just answered so well. But I always love stories where we get to see these intergenerational learning opportunities, but also intergenerational relationships. And uh, as you said, Ellen, we see that with the narrator being the young girl speaking about her grandma. But we see in grandmother's school that there's so much variety in the way that people learn and share stories and build relationships, which of course we know is important to childhood development as well. What are some intergenerational relationships that have been significant for the two of you? And why do you think young readers need stories about these kinds of relationships? And Rena, maybe I'll get you to start with this one. Okay, so the most important relationship for me has been with my dad. He is a photographer and he's an avid reader. And I believe I've inherited some of his creativity, uh, which I'm so grateful for, and the love of reading as well. So he's been my muse, my guru, my therapist, my friend. I like turn to him in my darkest hour and he's the first person to know if I've signed a new book or have been nominated for an award. He is my biggest cheerleader. And uh, the second part of your question, uh, why young readers need stories about intergenerational relationships? I thought about it and I think childhood and old age are at the opposite ends of the spectrum of life. You know, they both share a different kind of a rhythm. Unlike adults, they are not running or achieving or doing. I think they're just being, whether you're playing with blocks or you are looking after a garden, you know, time, time is more comfortable. Like it's a comfortable companion for them. And both have the time and can teach each other things. I think children can learn about their roots, their history, and also have this, like the sense of continuity and they can learn from their grandparents' experiences. 
And I think it is equally important for grandparents. It's like they're getting a second chance. It's like they can teach them cool stuff, uh, maybe stuff on the internet and um, make them feel current and relevant, which, you know, old people start feeling irrelevant and which I find is a very sad thing. So I think by connecting with children, connecting with their own grandchildren, uh, they can continue to remain relevant and they can both enrich each other's lives. That's what I feel. Yeah. Ellen, did you want to add anything? It's, it's interesting to think about intergenerational relationships. I find that the first thing I go to is thinking of, of you know, being uh, on the younger end of the intergenerational relationship. Like first, I, my first thought is like grandparents, parents. And now I'm realizing that like I'm, my age is such that now probably have more younger intergenerational relationships than I do older ones. Um, with my nieces and nephews and, and um, you know, even the, you know, the kids in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, I'm really lucky. I have a really great family. And so I have a really rich uh, set of intergenerational relationships. Um, really very close to my mom. She's wonderful. And I was very touched by Rena's description of her dad and their relationship. And I think my relationship with my mom is a lot like that. Um, but I have a lot of brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews. And I think that really helps you, you know, I just think that whatever kind of people there are out there, if you can, if you have some of them in your life, you're just going to understand and get to know people at a much richer level rather than just making assumptions about them or what their capabilities are on either end of the age spectrum because you just get to know how individual each person is and how that sort of overrides any of these other characteristics, what their age might be. When I think of, of books for kids and the importance of intergenerational stories, I think, I think it's just so intrinsic to being a kid is having those relationships. They just form so much of a part of your life. You know, you're always with parents and caregivers and grandparents and older brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles. So I think it just, you know, again, in this book, I just really loved the way Rena portrayed this relationship and how multidimensional that it was, you know, how they both seem to, to see each other as, as full people and what all their potential was and to be able to, talk about all kinds of things together and, you know, just, just be good friends. And I just think it's, it's, you know, it would be nice to think that maybe it would in some house, it inspires uh, somebody to ask a question about their grandparent or to talk more to their grandparents or older relatives and, and have a conversation about what it was like when they were little and what school was like. So I hope it, I hope it has that kind of a role. Thanks to Rena and Ellen for being on Writing the Coast. And thanks, as always, to you for listening and subscribing and sharing Writing the Coast. If you'd like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. Also, find us on social media to get news about upcoming events and more. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Joel Backen, whose book 
the new corporation, How Good Corporations Are Bad for Democracy, won the 2021 Jim Diva Prize for Writing That Provokes. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.